0: Church, let's stand together as we worship today. are here. Through this morning, this is your moment to worship. To worship right through it. Because even when I don't see it, even
1: when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Have made. bow then i shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my god how great thou art Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, just one more time, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou. Great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou
0: art. God, you were so great and you were so good, and your love endures forever. Reflect on that song and everything we did to push you away, but it didn't matter because at the cross, those three words, at the cross, you gladly bared our burden. And we love you this morning. Even when it looks like we try to push you away, you still bring us back to you. I pray for all of us this morning within the sound of my voice in person or online. Right now, God is calling you to himself. I pray we continue to worship this morning. That your word will just cut right through into our soul to bring us back to you. We love you. We worship you. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. You could be seated.
2: And we've been um, looking at the last few weeks about a book in the Old Testament written by one of the smartest men ever to live, written by a man who when God said you can have anything that you want, he said, I want wisdom more than I want anything. I want wisdom more than I want silver. I want wisdom more than I want gold. He knew and he understood that without wisdom, he wouldn't be successful. So over the last few weeks, we have been looking at how that we can gain wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And we've been looking at, at different things and, and looking at different subjects and, and things that he has declared in his word of how that, that we can gain wisdom or gain knowledge. How many people have ever been offended? Anybody? Let's let's do it this way. How many people have never been offended? Not a single hand went up. Why is that? That's because if you have breath, if you are breathing, you have been offended. If you are breathing, you understand that you cannot do life with people without at some point being offended. You can't get married without at some point being offended offended Uh, unless you have absolutely no feelings if you have no feelings then it may be possible to live without being offended but I'm pretty sure that all of us have feelings and all of us at some point whether it's something silly or something severe I mean sometimes we look back at things that we've been offended by and we will say how did I let that bother me why did I respond that way Other times we look back at things and we say, you know what, that really hurt. You know what, that really upset me. And there's reason for it. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 19 tells us this. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. So what is it to be offended The book of Proverbs says that it's like bars, bars that divide us, bars that come between us and and people or us and God, like prison bars. They keep us away. We've all been offended. And the reality is that Jesus said in the last days that offense would intensify, it would get worse. If you watch TV or you look at social media, I believe that you will agree that in today's society, people are offended left and right. You have to watch everything that you say, everything that you do, because at some point, you're going to offend somebody. And Jesus said that as the days approach, as the days go on, as, as the days continue, that it's going to get worse and worse Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 says, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Now you could read that as three separate things people will be offended, people will betray, and people will hate. But you could also view that as a progression of the heart. First, you are offended. And once you become offended, you will betray one another. And then once you betray someone, that develops into hate. The word there for offended or offense in the Greek is scandalon, And what that is, is it's like a trigger on a trap. If you think about maybe a, a bear trap that's in the woods and it's covered up by leaves and it's, it's hoping that, that that bear will come by and step on that trigger and when that happens, the trap closes around him and it begins to suffocate the life out of that bear. It begins a, a death. And I believe that that is the picture that the Bible is painting here for us. That when that trigger when that trap is triggered by being offended you begin to close your heart off to someone or to something. When something happens you you close your heart off to them. We do that because we're trying to protect ourselves. No one likes to be hurt. No one enjoys it. And so when when that tra- trigger when that trigger is stepped on You get into a trap, and you begin to try to protect yourself, and you close yourself off, and then you betray someone. In other words, you no longer defend them. You no longer guard them. You no longer protect them. You become offended, and you don't guard your thoughts about that person, or you don't guard your attitude or your words, and then the progression continues. When that happens, you develop hate. Hatred just simply means you have no more grace. You have no grace for that person. And there's nothing that that you can receive from them or give to them. This happened to Judas. Judas closed off his heart to Jesus. He no longer looked to guard him, but he wanted to hurt him. And no matter how hard Jesus tried, he could never get Judas back. He was so closed off to Jesus that it was over. And my prayer for us today is is that doesn't happen in our life. That that we don't close off ourselves to each other. That we don't get to a point in our life where we stop giving grace and we stop receiving grace. That we don't get to a point that, that the enemy steals from us. I mean, offenses are going to happen Luke chapter 17, verse 1, says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Jesus is saying it is impossible to live this life without offenses, but you have to guard your heart. Have you ever met someone who is unoffendable? I know a a few people, somebody pointed out to me in between services, someone that they would consider unoffendable. Those people are superstars. Those people, the people that, that refuse to let their hearts close off toward God or toward each other. Those people who, no matter what happens, they continue to give grace. No matter what happens, they want life to flow from them and to them. They refuse to be offended. They refuse to put bars between them and someone else or between them and God. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence. There's that word we talked about last week. For out of it spring the issues of life. In other words, guard what is coming in, guard that trigger of that trap. That says, I'm not going to allow it to go off. I'm not going to shut down. I mean, I've met people and know people. They say, you know what, Pastor, I love God, but I'm not doing church anymore. I love God, but but I've been hurt one too many times. I've been offended one too many times. And to that I would say, you've fallen into the trap. Because the reality is, is that we need each other. If anybody has ever been in a relationship, you know that relationships are messy. Relationships are tough. But we have to come to a point in our life that we say we're not going to cheat each other from the blessings that we can give and that we can receive. We have to guard our hearts. We have to guard ourselves. And this morning, I want to talk about three things that we need to guard ourselves from. The first thing that we need to guard ourselves from are disappointments. Disappointments. This is when someone doesn't do what you expect them to do. When someone doesn't live up to your expectations. When you expect something more from someone than you receive, you become disappointed. There's a parable about a man who was needing to hire someone to do some work. And he goes to this man, and he, this guy, and he says, listen, I need you to work for me from nine to five today and I'll give you $10. That was generous, wasn't it? And that guy said, yes, I'll do it. So they start working and, and they get to about noon and, and they say, you know what? The work's not getting done as quick as we needed to get done. We need to hire somebody else. So around 12 o'clock, he goes and says, listen, I need you to work for me for the next five hours and I will pay you $10. Guy says, okay, I'll do it. About four o'clock... They say, we've got another hour and we need, we need more help. So he goes to someone and he says, I need you to work one hour for me. One hour and I'll give you $10. He says, that sounds like a great deal. So he does it. The end of the day comes and it's time to get paid. And in Matthew chapter 20 verse 10 It says, but when they first came, they supposed that they would receive more and they likewise received each denarius. In other words, at the end of the day, the person at nine o'clock, the person at 12 o'clock, the person at four o'clock, they all received the same pay. And the first person was mad. He was upset because he assumed That because I worked longer than these other people, I should get more. He set himself up. And when expectations exceeds my appreciation, I'm setting myself up for offense. The guy should have been appreciative that the man kept his word. He told him he was going to pay him this amount, and he did what what he said he would do. But instead, he said, you know what, I should get more. And at that moment, his heart closed off. He was upset. He was angry. And you see, every time that our mind goes to more rather than thankfulness, that happens in our life. We begin to close ourselves off. We begin to to look at what we don't have instead of what we do have. We become disappointed. We're not appreciative. and, And we begin to shut our hearts down. And this can happen to us in relationships with other people, and it also can happen in our relationship with God. There's times in our life that that maybe God doesn't do something that we expect Him to do. Or maybe God does something in a different way than what we wanted or what we expected. And at that moment, we become offended. At that moment, we begin to question our relationship with Him. Offense can happen to the best of us. John the Baptist was in jail. And he's there, and he's thinking that Jesus should free him. And when these men show up, he says, I want you to ask Jesus this question. Matthew chapter 11, verse 3. He says, and he said to them, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Another. So here is John the Baptist, and he looks and says, is Jesus really who he says he is, or should we look for somebody else? Now, if you think back about the story of John the Baptist, you begin to ask yourself the question, how could he say that? What happened to him? I mean, John the Baptist was the one when Mary walked into the door, and Elizabeth, John's mother, ran to greet her. It says that John the Baptist leapt in Mary's womb. John sensed, even from his mother's womb, that he was in the presence of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Then at the Jordan River, John is getting ready to baptize Jesus and God says, well, when you see the heavens open, the Holy Spirit's going to descend. And the one that he descends on, that's the one. And if you read the story, that happens. And the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. So John, at this point, has sensed Jesus. He has seen Jesus. Jesus. and then God says you're going to hear a voice and that voice is going to say this is my beloved son and John hears that voice so John had sensed him he had saw him and he had heard him and he went from that to asking are you the coming one or should we look for somebody else what happened what happened to John John was disappointed He was disappointed because he thought that Jesus should rescue him. He was disappointed because he was sitting behind prison bars. And he was so disappointed that he had to ask the question. You see, sometimes disappointment will cause us to lose sight of our relationship. It will cause us to lose sight of who God really is. It will cause us to lose sight. Something can happen. I know that God put Christian and I together. But there can be times that if I let offense or she lets offense rise up. And if you've been in a relationship, you know this happens. And you think, man, are we really supposed to be together? You begin to close off your heart. You start asking the question, did I marry the right person? Or, or maybe something happens, and, and you love your job and you're, you're at work, and then something happens, a coworker says something, or, or maybe your boss doesn't uh, appreciate you the way that you think that you should be appreciated. And you begin to and you have an offense and you begin to, to shut off your heart, you begin to ask the question, "Did I take the right job? Am I in the right place? Something happens at church and you think, "Oh, I'm offended. Maybe I should go down the road. Am I at the right place?" But you see, offense can distort and divide a relationship that once was obvious and ordained. Why? Because we become disappointed. We don't have our expectations met. And we begin to close off our heart. We become bitter. The second thing we have to guard against is when we are disciplined. Nobody likes to receive correction. No one likes it when we're corrected. Why? Because it stings and it hurts. When we're corrected, it's very easy for it to trigger the trap that we can fall into. And when that happens, we'll stop guarding. Our attitude will shift. Our words become careless. Why? Because discipline stings. It hurts. So often we receive discipline as as an offense instead of out of love. And when that happens, we shut ourselves off to one another. You see, the, the word has a way of correcting us. The word and discipline in the word can sting because it tells us sometimes the way that we're living isn't right. The word of God tries to to realign our hearts and to, to realign the way that we're living. I mean, Paul tells Timothy, he says, in the last days, people aren't going to want it. In the last days, people aren't going to take correction or discipline well. He tells Timothy, you need to preach the word. You need to correct. You need to rebuke. You need to encourage. All with long suffering and patience. And when we are disciplined when we are corrected, It's how we receive it. If you receive it out of offense or if you receive it out of love. If we realize that correction can be for our own good. If we realize that correction is not a a bad thing. In the beginning, I talked about Judas and I talked of how that he shut his heart off to Jesus. When did that happen? Have you ever read and and thought about when this happened to Judas? It was when he was corrected. Matthew chapter 26, verse 16. Says, so from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now you could just read that and think, okay, from you know, from that moment. But what had happened? In the verses previous to this, what had happened? What was the moment? Why did he look for an opportunity to betray him? Well, if you read before that, you're going to see that this moment that this happens was when the woman had took the jar of oil, and she broke it open over the feet of Jesus. And Judas looked at her and said, why are you wasting this oil on his feet? He said, don't you understand that that this could have been sold and given to the poor? And in that moment, Jesus said, Judas, leave her alone. Judas, her heart is right. Your heart isn't. Jesus was giving Judas correction. Jesus was saying, Listen, your heart's not right. I mean, the Bible tells us that Judas would often go into the the offering plate, he would go into the bag, and he would take money for himself. And it was at this moment that Jesus said, your heart isn't right. This corrective moment that led to offense. And it was from that moment that Judas started looking for ways to betray Jesus. He started plotting against him instead of working with him or for him. We have to watch our disappointments. We have to watch the way that we receive discipline. John chapter 13, verse 27. It says, Now after the piece of bread Satan entered him, then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. This was at the Last Supper. And this is when Jesus is trying to open Judas back up. He's having this this moment with him. They've Jesus has washed his feet. He has dipped bread with him. He has ate with him. Jesus is trying to open Judas' heart back up. Can you imagine being so closed off to Jesus, that the king of kings, that he would bend down and wash your feet and you wouldn't forgive him? That hatred that had developed in his heart because of that correction. Can you imagine being so upset with Jesus that you stayed closed off to him? It happens, it happens in our lives. Sometimes it's like bars on a castle. They Separate us from people, they separate us from God because of offense. We have to guard our hearts. If you don't guard your heart, there's an evil influence that can hurt your relationships damage your heart. You put up bars like a prison. You become trapped in that prison. Your heart becomes so hard that you can't receive grace from anyone and you won't, and you aren't willing to give it. The third thing is when we become disheartened. We become disheartened by what someone does to us. Have you ever been in a relationship and someone has done something to you, and then in that moment you become so disheartened, and you think, "Man, I'm." I know people who they um, they're not close to anyone. Because something happens and they become disheartened, and they think, "You know what, it's always going to be this way. I'm going to get close to someone, they're going to hurt me, I'm never going to have a relationship. I'm never going to have what God intended me or what everyone tells me God intended me to have. And I'm become so discouraged and so disheartened that I can't get past it. Why? Because I'm offended. I'm offended. We've all been there. We've all been disheartened. We've all thought, you know what, I'll never... I'll never have the relationship with God that, that the Bible says I can have. I become discouraged. And there's a reason for that. Because what happens is, is sometimes when we become offended... When we become offended, there's really only one way to get through it. There's only one way to get past it. And this is something that's not real deep, it's not very theological, but it works. What are we taught in, you know, as young children? If we would ever catch on fire... What are we supposed to do? Somebody help me out. Stop, drop, and roll. Somebody said scream. I guess that you could put that in there. You can scream, but stop, drop, and roll. It's not deep, but when we look at offense, things that have disheartened us, discouraged us, If we learn to do these three things, it can change us. It can change our heart. It can change our situation. The first thing that we have to do is we have to stop replaying it. Stop replaying it. You know how it is. Something happens to you at work. Somebody says something that just really offended you. You come home thinking about it. You want to tell your spouse about it. You want to call somebody and tell them about it. You lay in bed and think about it. You're too upset to eat, or you're too upset to stop eating. You lay in bed at night, you think about it. You wake up the next morning, you think about it. You're replaying it, you're reliving it over and over again. And it it may be something that is severe, it may be really painful that happened. But when you replay it over and over again, you're reliving it. You have to stop. Stop replaying it. Stop rehearsing it. The Bible tells us in Philippians, it says, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, it says, Think on these things. Now, that's easier said than done. I understand that. It's easier said than done because we have a human nature that we want to replay it. We want to continually think about it. But Paul said, stop thinking about it. Stop reliving it. Think about the good things, the lovely things, the pure things. He said, think on those things. Stop reliving those wounds. Stop replaying them because what happens is it's like a scab. And it'll start to heal and then you'll rip it back open. Why? Because you're replaying it over and over again in your mind. You can't get past it. So the first thing we have to do is we have to stop. And the second thing we need to do is we need to drop it. We need to let it go. I'm not going to sing the song, but I'm sure when I said let it go, all of your minds went there. You've got to let it go. You have to forgive it. You have to refuse to be imprisoned by it. Yes, it hurt. Yes, it was real. Yes, it was something that, that wasn't fair. But you've heard it said many times that when you will, are unwilling to forgive, that it's not that person that you've put behind prison bars, it's yourself. It's not the person that offended you that's suffering, that's trapped. It's you. And when you won't forgive or let it go, then you will be and you are playing into the trap of the enemy. The enemy wants nothing more than to keep you isolated. Isolated. The enemy wants nothing more to keep you bitter, your heart hardened, and angry. But God uses imperfect people and imperfect community to affect us. And through those imperfect people and those imperfect relationships, in that imperfect community, we can grow and we can receive all that he has from us. But when we're not willing to do that, when we're, we're not willing to drop it, then we'll never receive what God has for us. And we stay behind the bars of that castle. And the last thing we need to do is we need to roll. Roll back into Relationships some of you are in a situation right now where to be honest you are perfectly fine with no friends with no relationships why because you don't want to get hurt again you you don't want to to step back into that so you just you you, you you're reliving it you're in prison, but you need to roll back into relationship. You need to take that step forward. You need to, to, to call your dad or your friend. You need to make that step. You need to take that step toward God. Because see, it's not just earthly relationships that this happens with. Sometimes we can become so cold toward our relationship with God. Sometimes we can become so shut off to our relationship with him that nothing can flow from us, nothing can flow to us. And I know that we've all been hurt. And I believe that everyone will give an account for their actions but i also believe that we will give an account for our reaction our response how we handle a situation i don't want us to be behind any prison bars i don't want us to come to a point in our life that that we feel stuck trapped that we're slowly dying why? Because that trap has been triggered by disappointment, by discipline, or because we become disheartened. As I was praying this week for this sermon, Our sermons are planned out. And as I begin to look toward this week and what I would be speaking on, and I just begin to, to think about the world around us. I begin to think about how that offense is everywhere. And then I begin to look at... And someone posted... Someone posted this something this week, and I was telling my wife on the way to church that it just really hit me. And um, as followers of Christ, it's become really easy for us to become offended, and we we find ourselves talking. So much about our offense, things that we are uh, offended by. We're talking about that more and more, and we're talking about Jesus less and less. And it's a trick of the enemy, it's a trick, it's a trap. And if we're not careful, we will become so bound that we can't get past those offenses that we stop sharing the love of Jesus. the Holy Spirit just pierced my heart. And the exact post... I try not to get in trouble, but the exact post said, as Christians, we need to stop. We need to stop talking about masks and those kind of things. We need to start talking about Jesus. Because that's how people will know that we're his disciples. If we have love, love for one another. So my prayer today is, is that we will not become so bound by things that offend us that we shut our hearts off to the people around us. We stop, we drop, and we roll with every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, if I'm being 100% honest with myself and with God, uh, I've allowed some offenses, some things that have offended me to eat away at my heart. I'm having a hard time getting past it. I'm having a hard time forgetting about it. I'm having a hard time forgiving it. If you're here and that's you today, just flip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, there's something that happened in my life and and God hasn't, Met the expectation of, of what I think he should do. And I've become bitter, and it's made me even ask the question Are you really the one, or should I look for somebody else? Pastor, I want to open my heart back up to Jesus today. I don't want to be like Judas. I want to open my heart back up to him. Anyone else? Thank you. Everybody look, look back up here at me for a second. Here's the awesome thing about God. Even though we make mistakes, and even though that we fail Him, and we shut our heart off, he is so loving. He cares about us so much that any moment just as he tried to do with Judas. He said just come back to me. Open yourself back up. That's the God that we serve. He's a loving, a forgiving, a caring God, and he looks down today, and he sees you, and he sees your heart, and he says, I love you with a love that you can't comprehend, you can't explain, but I love you. So as everyone stands... It's very easy with what's going on right now. One of our mottos around here has always been, and it's something that I say and I tell staff all the time, the best is yet to come. Now, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. There have been times over these past few months that maybe my expectations haven't been met. And I've been like John the Baptist and I've said, God, is it really you or should I look for another? But this week as I began to, to pray over this service and pray over this message, the Holy Spirit just spoke into my heart. And when this pandemic started we were always saying you know that that god's going to use it for good but it's easy to get weary and to lose sight of that it's easy to lose sight that that god works all things together for good it's easy to become bitter out of disappointment out of being disheartened but i believe the spirit spoke to me and said The best is yet to come. That I'm going to use what we're going through for my glory. But it starts with us opening ourselves back up to him. So Nick's going to sing. And um, since we've been back in service... Just to be honest, I've really struggled with, do we have an altar call? Do we let people come up? And um, we believe that life is better together, and we believe that um, when we're going through something, that we're here for each other to lift each other up. So this morning, if you raised your hand... In a very safe manner, we have a big altar. If you need prayer, I want to encourage you as Nick begins to sing and as I pray to step out of your seat. We have altar workers equipped with masks, but we want to pray for you. We want you to open your heart back up to allow life to flow from you and to you. Today can be the start of something great in your life. So I'm gonna pray, and as he sings, if you want prayer and you feel comfortable, just come down, we're gonna pray. Father, I thank you for this day. God, you see every person across this auditorium. And God, you see those who have raised their hand. God, you see those who are struggling, who are hurting. God, I pray that today will be the day that changes their life forever. God, those things that they've been harboring those things that have been holding them back and keeping them in prison. God, that today you will set them free. That today that they will have a supernatural experience. Just as just as Paul and Silas had when they were in shackles. God, a supernatural experience, set them free. God, we need that today. Set us free.
1: Father, we love you. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears really. Unending love, amazing grace. Unending love, amazing grace.
2: Father, I thank you for the power that you have to set us free. God, I thank you that even if we walked in today bound in chains, Father, that we can leave free because of your never ending, never wavering love and because of your awesome, magnificent, amazing grace. Father, as we go today, allow us to go in freedom of knowing, God, that you love us. God, allow us to not shut ourselves off, but to open ourselves up to your love, to your mercy, and your grace.